Um, I have a PowerPoint, uh, something a little bit different today. Um, I want to start with a story this morning. This is me walking, uh, walking down the side of the road in Kenya back in 2007. Well, this is a different picture, but you get the idea. I was walking down the road 2007 in Kenya as the sun slowly began to make its way down. The sun was coming to an end. I'm sorry, the day was coming to an end. People were still out. Everyone was staring at the Mzungu, the white man, as he walked home. Then there was this guy who shouted for me from his compound. This is a true story. He said, hey, Mzungu, Garibu. That means, hey, white man, welcome. He wants me to come to his house. And when I walked closer, he he began asking me questions like, what was I doing in Kenya? And, uh, you know, why... What am I doing here? Why am I here? He told me his name was Felix. And he told me that he was a farmer and he had seven children. Now that I have three, I can't even imagine. Then he asked me at the time, this is 2007, he asked me, how many kids do you have? Because in Kenya, they start having children relatively young. I would have been 22 at the time, just graduating from IU, finishing up my my uh, student teaching, and I responded, well, I don't have any children. Besides, kids cost too much money, and I don't have any of that either. (laughs) I think I had $100 maybe while I was uh, across the the ocean there. Then he said to me, this is something profound, but at 22, he said to me something, he said this, you don't need money to have kids. And I was like, uh, I guess you're right. Okay. And for whatever reason, that moment stuck with me. It was funny, but also thought-provoking. I guess you really don't technically need money to have kids. This guy had no money, and he had seven kids. So there's some proof. There's some evidence. But it made me consider fatherhood as an American. It made me consider fatherhood as a Christian. Uh, and it forced me to ask, what, if anything, do I need, or would I need, and when and if I become a father? Kind of looking ahead. And this is the question that I want to answer today. Turn with me to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Ephesians 6. Should be a familiar passage to you. There's no video here. Just, uh, just an image of a video. I'm, I'm definitely a visual person, and this, uh, this sermon will have, well, I've tried to include some visuals because um, it's a visual passage uh, today. So it says, uh, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, it says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, uh, with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. There it is. What a great passage for Father's Day. Did you know I was going there? Did you believe it? The scripture can remind us of some of the truths about being the father. Here are some, lo- the, some of them that I've learned from scripture, many of them based right here in this passage. Here's some of the things that I've learned over the course of, I don't know, probably the last 10 years. Avoid over-control. These are lessons, fatherhood lessons. 
Avoid over-control. Avoid unrealistic expectations. Avoid unwarranted punishment. Avoid unacceptable criticism. Teach them parental authority. Eventually, they're going to rebel, but they need discipline, so address the behavior. I have that written right in my Bible. Love your children unashamedly and unconditionally. Express your love in an appropriate manner. That means give them the time, not money or material things. Praise them in the training and instruction of the Lord. Be present. Be patient. Be persuasive. These are all lessons that I've learned just from this passage over the course of a few years. And with that said, this is not the passage we're going to be focusing on today. Instead, we're going to be looking a few verses down, verses 10 through 20. But before we do, let's pray together. Lord, we come to you today, Lord, with just a glad heart, especially the fathers in the room, Lord. I, I pray that your word would instruct us, Lord, that, that, you're, that we would be able to apply, Lord, uh, your word, that it would challenge us, especially as fathers here on Father's Day, Lord. I, I pray that in all things, Lord, that you would get the glory and the honor that you deserve, especially, Lord, through, through the life that we live, particularly as fathers. Lord, I thank you for being such a great father to me. Lord, leading me, instructing me, encouraging me, being present and patient and persuasive. Lord, I thank you for loving me unconditionally. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would be like you, that we would be conformed to your image, be wholly conformed to your will. Help us to do that, Lord, through the learning and understanding of your word today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. trying to, I put Call of Duty, Spiritual Warfare. Some of the younger guys are going, what is going on? This is a video game, by the way, a picture video game. You can see the young guys over here going, what is he doing over there? Call of Duty, but it does have, as you can see, it has Ephesians 6 underneath it. Let's, most of us are familiar with this scripture, with this passage and concept. I'll never forget one of Pastor Ben's groomsmen, Jordan, talking in the microphone at the wedding rehearsal to share some wisdom. And he said, Ben, this is Pastor Ben, right? He said, Ben, as great as marriage is, we cannot forget that we're in a spiritual battle. You will need to put on the whole armor of God and fight the evil that we're up against. It will be especially important as a husband. That's what he said right here. He just stood right over here and said that. He was right. He was stunned me. I, I, I'll never forget that. He was absolutely right. And as Christians, we're called to put on the armor of God. But when you become a husband and a father, you're not only fighting your own spiritual battles, right? You're fighting alongside your wife. And as you stand against the wiles of the devil, as it says in the text, you are also protecting and training your children, as it says back there in verse, in verse 4. You're protecting and training your children in spiritual warfare. And that's why I want to put our focus here for Father's Day 2020. Let's begin by reading uh, verses 10 through 13. Verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In verse 10, it says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. When it says to be strong in the, in the Lord, the word in Greek is dunamai. It means power. I keep talking about this word. It seems like I just keep talking, talking about it from downstairs up to, but it literally have the power and be empowered by the one who has ultimate authority. That's where we should get our strength. That's where we should be strong. How should we be strong in the one who has ultimate authority? The statement tells us men to be empowered by Christ in all that we do. If you try to take on spiritual battle by yourself in your own strength, you won't last long. Let me tell you that. There are people in this room going, tried that. (laughs) Didn't work. If you try to take on spiritual battle in your own strength, you're not going to last long, people. We must draw from his strength and his might, his power. Just if that sound, if there's any, if, if that needs clarification, listen to me. Here's what here's what it is. Just as you've trusted that he's died for your sins, you need to trust that he will empower you in spiritual battle in this life. It's the same trust. It's the same empowerment, right? Gaining his strength. It says, look at verse eleven. He says, "Put on the whole armor of God, that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." Let me ask you a question. You ever walk away from service saying, well, I liked when he said this, or that was a really good point he made. Yeah, you get like bits and pieces. In our finite minds, I, uh, we can often take bits and pieces from the Bible, but here Paul says, listen, he says, put on the whole armor of God. He says, put all of it on. You need it all, all the time. Put on the whole armor. It's not just bits and pieces, everybody. So when we're talking today, make sure that we're listening to the full picture. It's not just, oh, the, hel- you know, the helmet of salvation or the belt of truth. It's not just one of them. It's all of them. That's how we need to prepare for spiritual battle. The whole armor. Practically speaking, armor is simply to protect the soldier so that he might better defend against the enemy, right? That's what it's for. Without, arm- ar- without armor, he can def- be defeated He can better, sorry, he can be defeated more easily. And the less armor he has on, the more weaknesses he has, and the more opportunities the enemy has to strike and to wound. You're getting the picture? The full armor or the whole armor is more literally, you can, I'm a, I'm a bit of a word nerd. I always go back to the Greek and, and find these, but the full armor, the whole armor is literally more literally every weapon. That's what it is. Every weapon. Here's here's every weapon you're going to need. Every protection you're going to need. Put it all on. That's how you're going to win spiritual battle. It's everything that you need to wage successful warfare. Paul says that we will need this armor to stand against the wiles of the devil. To stand is to stand ready. To stand firm. Against immediate resistance. I don't mean to make light of this picture. This is the whole armor of God. But this is standing. 
I should be able to stand strong and firm. This is what I think about, just Superman just standing there. This is how we should be standing. The word wiles in the Greek, he said, I want you to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles is in the Greek is methodia. Is where we get our English word, methods. Paul's getting to a point, as we see here in verse 12, that we're not battling flesh and blood, but that we're in, a, we're in constant spiritual battle. That's his point. I think we tend to forget this as we walk around in the flesh, talking with one another, hopefully loving one another, right? We forget that we're in a spiritual battle. But well, we are. The Bible tells us this. This is spiritual battle, right? We know this from, the, from, from Jesus' walk as well. We're in a spiritual battle. Do not be deceived, Christians, fathers. Don't be deceived here. People are evil because they're spiritually separated from God. Okay? People are evil. We're separated from God. Right? Fallen creatures. And when one is separated from God, not having the indwelling Holy Spirit, he's left to follow the methods of this world. Those are the methods of the devil. You're all, that's what you're left with. You stand there. You, have, you don't have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You're fighting an evil battle. You're only left. If you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, guiding you in truth, you're, you fall you fall to the methods of the world, right? Don't be deceived by that. I know, even though you can't see, right? We talked about that in Sunday school. Even though you can't see, right? That bat, you can't see it in physical, and flesh. It's real, amen? Verse 12, it says, for we do not, he, he, here's his point. He says it right here. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. These are the words that are used in the Greek right here. Arkos, exousios, kosmokrateros, and pneumatika. You know what those are? This one, this first one is the chief ruler. Who, who are you fighting against? He says, the first one, the ark, right? The, being the first of a kind, the chief one, the number one. Okay, archangel, same word. This is the, the chief ruler. That's who you're up against. Satan, the chief ruler. Exousios is the, are the people or the, the, the minions, if you will, those who are, have delegated power from, from the first, from the chief ruler. They have delegated power or they're over a jurisdiction. The next word is literally men. They're men of the world. Do you see the word cosmo? You, know, you can't read those letters. But cosmo, the word cosmo up there kind of looks like English. That means rulers of the world. The, word, the, the root word krat means to rule, democratic, right? Or These are men on the, in the world who are under the influence Right? Who are following the methods of the devil. And the last one, pneumatica, are the spirits that he's talking about in here in verse 12. He said, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly place. Listen, I'm not here for the Greek lesson. I'm telling you, I'm trying to reinforce the idea that we are up against, we're in a spiritual battle. That's what I'm talking about. And there's levels and ranks of it. That's what you're up against. It's not just a cloud of evil. Okay? Verse 13. 
He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This, to stand and withstand, particularly to withstand is more like Captain America standing here, right? Stand strong this way, but also get ready. Put the shield out and get ready to withstand. It means somebody's coming against you now. You got to be able to withstand the evil too. You can't just stand there. You're also going to withstand some pressure. You're going to withstand some evil, some, some evil working, some spirit, right? This spiritual battle. You have to be able to stand against them. Listen, in verse 14, let's get there and look at the armor, okay? Here we go. Stand, therefore, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Most of you have heard the belt of truth, right? Having girded your waist with the belt of truth. Let's stop there and talk about it. This idea of girding your waist, if you don't know, is about, right? They had a robe. In these days, they're wearing robes with a rope or a belt around. And I have to lift up the the fabric and tie it around my waist so that I could actually what? So I could actually walk or run without stumbling or tripping up on my garments. This is actually about our walk. That's what the belt of truth is about. This is about your own walk, fathers. 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. God's word tells us that you're either walking in light or you're walking in darkness. You walk in the flesh or you walk in the spirit. There's no gray area with God. It's one or the other. You want to be in the light, confess your sins. He's just faithful to forgive you of your sins. Amen? Fathers, if we're going to stand against evil in this world and teach our children to do the same, it's going to be start by being empowered by Christ and staying in constant fellowship with him. That's the truth. Practicing truth. You can do that, brothers, by practicing truth. That means being in agreement with God about who you are, about yourself. Do you agree with yourself about who you are? Do you agree with God about who you are? That's truth. That's walking in the light. Recognizing your weaknesses, temptations, your selfish desires, and praying for his strength to overcome them. If you walk about in your own strength, that's what's, we're not going to make it in our own strength. That's the point of this passage. How can you lead? Let me ask you this question, fathers. How can you lead and protect your family when you're unable to care for your own spiritual life? You're walking around, you can't, you can't, you can't, you're not doing your own, you're taking your own walk seriously or practicing truth. How can we lead others like that? The answer obviously is we can't. Stay in fellowship with him. Walking with him daily in truth. That means recognizing who you are from God's perspective. So that you don't easily trip up and stumble in your spiritual walk. Gird your waist with truth. Point number one. First piece of First weapon, first piece of armor. Let's read the next part. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's talk about it. Righteousness, the definition of righteousness is being wholly conformed to God's will. It's practice. Living in obedient faith. These are things that you've heard from the pulpit in this church. When you're walking in truth, everybody, when you're walking in truth in fellowship with God, there's no reason for any scandalous behavior. The word, the Greek word here is scandalon. That's where we get our word scandalous. 
There's no, if you're walking in truth, there's no reason for any of, the, any of that other behavior to happen. Scandalous, here's a, here's a definition for you. Scandalous behavior could be, could be defined like this. It could be explained as desiring not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. That's how you could define that scandalous behavior. Desiring not the things of God, but the things of men. It, if that defines your behavior, it's scandalous according to the Bible. Our flesh, men, will tug at our hearts. Sometimes pull at our hearts <laughs> to appease the flesh. The world will tell you, it's not even bad. That's what they're going to say. It's not even that bad. People do a lot of worse things. There are a lot of worse things that you could be doing, man. I wouldn't be worried about that. That's what the world's going to say because they don't care. They don't care about righteousness. They hate righteousness. However, scripture is clear that this is the battle. That's the battle. The battle is the decision to walk in truth and to live righteously. That's the battle. That's the spiritual battle. Your flesh is going to pull you, man. It's going to pull you in a direction away from, away from the things of God. And that is the battle right there. It's not when you get to it. It was before that you, if you were walking to that direction and going to the desires of your flesh, you lost already. It's not the end. It was the beginning when your heart turned away from the things of God and to the things of men. That's when, that's when it went wrong. That, and, and you lost the spiritual battle right there. That's what happened. There's a reason we're told, do not love the world or the things in the world. You've been set apart, sanctified in truth. Christian fathers, you're not controlled. Listen to me. You are not controlled by the flesh. You're no longer carnally minded. You're spiritually minded. As new creatures in Christ, we're called to be righteous, to be wholly conformed to the God's will. And when we begin to side with our flesh, our spiritual guard is down. Right? It's like you're standing guard there and then something, some little noise over here and you get hit right when you're not looking. That's the battle, right? That's the battle. Not only will these two pieces of armor, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, they're not, allow you, they're not only going to allow you to stand firm yourself and alongside your wife, but your children will also watch and always continue watching how you live your own life. We know this, right? Fathers with adult children, this applies to you too. I don't stop watching my dad. I never stopped watching my dad. I still don't. I still watch. I still listen. Even if you have adult children, it still applies. It's both a spiritual lesson and a practical one. It's not only a question of whether you only speak truthfully, but do you practice truth? Are you in fellowship with God? What's my dad's spiritual life like? Whatever it is, that's my standard too. That's your kid. What's my dad's spiritual life like? How does he, how does he battle these things? Because that's, that's going to be my standard as a kid. My kids are six, four, and two. And I have work to do in my own home, training our children spiritually. But just to give you a peek at reality, Kennedy, Kennedy said to me this week, my daughter said to me this week, she said, Daddy, you're doing church at home? You're doing church at home, Dad? She's four, but she understands, and she's making connections. 
the things that you, right, that it's not just here. I, 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 do, I can do it at home as well. And I'm not the picture of, uh, of perfect over here. I'm just saying that my children are watching. She's four. She's so busy playing, I'm, I'm surprised that she noticed. But that's the point. It kind of shook, shook me a little bit like, oh. Put on the, breast, the breastplate of righteousness. The gospel of peace. Let's keep going. It says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So put on the belt of truth. Gird your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We return to this idea of standing, but the picture of the soldier takes an interesting turn. Instead of being ready to attack, right, as a soldier, instead of having this mentality, this idea of attacking, shotting your feet with the gospel of peace is referring to how we should stand. And as we both stand and withstand, our goal should be peace. Imagine that. How do you accomplish that? Well, number one, be prepared to share the gospel of peace. If you don't know how to easily share the gospel, let me, let me break it down for you. Are you ready? It's called Good News, Bad News. You probably heard it. Larry Moyer, he's great evangelist. Bad news number one, you're a sinner. Bad, bad news number two, the penalty for sin is death. Good news number one, Christ died for you. Good news number two, you can be saved through faith in Christ. You need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ if you want to shod your feet in peace. And you also need to be prepared to be peaceful even when you're under attack. Ooh, that one's a tough one though. <laughs> I can learn the gospel, but to be peaceful when I'm under attack, not as easy. Man, it is, fathers, I hope you're with me right now. Give me, you know, give me a shout out because it is really easy to get fired up when you're a father. I'll be honest with you. It's easy to go to battle, my friends. <sighs> yes, with your children especially. It's easy to go to battle. I'm just being real. But remember, we're not battling flesh and blood. We're not battling flesh and blood. Listen, the desire to respond harshly, the desire, the selfish desire to respond harshly and loudly and without love is the real battle. It's not what your kid's doing. It's the desire to respond in an ungodly way that is the, the, that's the battle. The frustration that children can bring is not the battle at all. Listen, is it even a battle if you know you can win? Is it even a battle? Dads, you know you can win this one. I'm going to win. It's not even a battle. You haven't won anything, my friends. In fact, over time, you may lose those who are hoping and ready to follow you. When you know a battle is coming, whether your kids are opposing you or whether someone is opposing you and your children, it is in peace that you should prepare. It is in righteousness that you should act. And it is in truth that you should both walk and speak. That's what it's telling us. Let's go to the next part here. In faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith with, uh, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Can you finish this verse? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. I want to turn there really quickly. Turn, turn there with me. Hebrews eleven six. Do you know where it is, Hebrews? 
All right. <laughs> yeah, I was there for three years. All right. I poke fun at him, but he does a great job, doesn't he? Hebrews eleven six. I'm going to read six through eight. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six, And although so far we've talked about standing and withstanding these pictures, this armor, this shield of faith paints a picture of marching forward, making progress toward a, de- a destination. This is the picture I want. It should remind us, this is both withstanding with our shield, but it has this idea, everybody, of marching forward. Just march, marching, getting to that destination. And the destination, everybody, is? The destination, everybody, is God. Fine, get to him, know him. But to approach him and or seek him, one must have faith. Your faith must be out in front of you as a shield. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because these other weapons that we've been talking about, they derive from faith. That's what we've been talking about in Sunday school. They come out of faith, right? Our righteousness is a result of our faith. Walking in truth is a result of our faith. For this reason, faith must be at the forefront. Okay? In Ephesians, uh, back in Ephesians 6 here, it says your faith... our." Our faith is the first line of defense. It's, it, it's the shield that quenches the fiery darts. Without our faith, our breastplate is quickly dented and damaged. Our belt of truth singed and burned. The shield of faith is designed for strength. It's designed to take the greatest of blows. That's why it's out front. The shield of faith is held out in front, allowing us to march forward as Christian soldiers while showing our children how to do the same. Are you marching forward, fathers? It's a good question for us, right? Are we marching forward? Do your kids see you pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, as it says in Philippians? Do they see you walking that way? In Hebrews, you're told that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. Are you responding to the call to seek him? If you asked your kids today what they think your ultimate goal is, would they say knowing God more or storing up treasures in heaven? Would they say that about you? Would they say that about me? Well, we'll find out today. If you're brave enough to ask, ask them today what they believe your ultimate goal, the thing you want most in life, the thing you seek after. If you're brave enough, ask your children today. What do you think my ultimate goal is? Get ready, fathers. The helmet of salvation. In a very literal sense, it's to protect the head. The helmet of salvation is no doubt refers to knowing and assurance. It literally goes around your head. That's, That's the word. Our hearts, guys, will sometimes become unsure. But God is greater than our hearts when we become unsure. God knows. God is is greater than our hearts. We have to renew our minds, like it says in Romans 12. Renewing of the mind. We have to keep our focus on Christ. This is about the mental game. Protect it. Keep an eternal perspective. It's easy to look right here. It's easy to look right at the flesh and miss 
the spiritual battle. Stay focused on your eternal perspective. We have to keep in mind that the victory has already been won. Got to keep that in mind. This spiritual battle has ultimately already been won. You're just being asked to walk your journey on this earth. It's already been won. It's already been won. And thank God for that. But stay focused because it's already been won. You need to stay focused. Don't act like it's just you all alone. It's not you all alone. You should be empowered by Christ. As we prepare to do spiritual battle and put on our helmet, it should remind us of why we're battling in the first place. We're saved. We have eternal life. I'm living for the king right now. As Brandon was talking, I'm living for my king right now. Yes. Got to remind us, keep us in the, keep us mentally strong there about why we're battling in the first place. Take the sword of the spirit. It says I'm missing pictures in my thing. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is the only offensive weapon, everybody of the whole armor of God. And the only way you can use it, Christian fathers is to know it. It's the only way you can use it. All right. If you try to cherry pick a verse, you're going to get torn up. All right, you got to know it. You got to know it. If I asked you how well you know the word of God, what would be your answer? It's a little subjective, but think about that. What holds you back from knowing more? God tells us to seek him, and it's through his word that you can know and follow him. That's how we're going to do it. It's through his word that we'll find his wisdom. His strength is in his wisdom. It is by knowing his word that we will be better fathers because at the end of this life, everybody, at the end of my life, the greatest lesson I want to pass on to my children is to trust God and his word. If you learn nothing else out of all the things I've been trying to teach you, please trust God and know where you're going when you die and know that you're going to spend eternal life in heaven. That, that would be my dying wish. Would yours? I hope, I hope that's true for all of us, of course. Fathers, as we complete this whole armor of God on this Father's Day, my last question or challenge to you is this. Do you tell your kids why you make the choices you make? Do you, tell, do you actually like verbalize why you're making certain choices? Why you're making the choices you make? Right? Does Pastor Ben tell his kids why he goes up to his study so often? I'm trying to pursue God. I'm trying to, right? Tell them. What are we doing? We got to tell them. Do they know why you practice these things and don't practice others? Daddy doesn't do that because such and such. Daddy doesn't do that because God tells us that that doesn't please him. Daddy does do this in faith because God tells us that without faith, you cannot please him. Do, you, do we verbalize what we're doing or do we just leave it up to guessing? If you're being intentional about training your children, if you're being intentional, be intentional about sharing why too. Share. Share the scripture that keeps you focused. Share, the te- share your testimony often. Daddy, was, this is the day I was saved. This is the day I trusted the Lord. Changed my life. I was transformed from that point forward. Tell them. Share how God blesses you regularly. Stop. Look around. Say, look what God has blessed us with. 
look at this. Look at our family. Look at our house. Look at our, the things that we have, the people that we have in our life. Let's stop and, and praise God and talk about how he blesses us. Share why you choose to live the life like you do. Look, this encouragement is also going to help you keep, uh, kind of keep you in check spiritually as you march forward too. Why do I, why am I going to do this? All right. It's going to keep you in check if you, if you practice sharing why, what you're doing. At the end of this, let's read this, this last part together. He says, praying always, this is just furthering, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the gospel of peace, take the shield of faith. Okay, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then he says, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I think we can take, I think we can take this lesson as well. I think that we should be praying in the spirit, fathers. I think that we should be watchful and pray that you too might speak boldly. Let's, let's pray about that, that we might be speaking boldly to make the gospel known, just as Paul requests here. At the end, he says, and in verse 19, he says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. You too are an ambassador for Christ, doing battle for his namesake and making disciples, your children being first in line. My kids are the first, are my first in line of my disciples. That's a, that's a powerful statement in, in itself. Just a reminder of that. Therefore, fathers, take up and put on the whole armor of God. That's the message today. Not just bits and pieces. Not just the belt of truth. Not just the breastplate. All of it. And prepare to do spiritual battle while you protect and train your kids and battle alongside your wife as well. Amen? Let's pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for being such a good father. Lord, you direct us, you direct our paths. Father, your word is a lamp into our feet. Help us to study it, help us to know it, so that we can, as we seek you, Lord, that we wouldn't veer from the path that you've put us on. Lord, I pray for those, Father, those who have, Lord, maybe not had the whole armor on, Lord, or help us to be reminded to keep, to wake up and put all of the armor on. Lord, we trust you. We know, Lord, that everything that you've given to us is with purpose. Lord, we thank you for your revelation of yourself, your word. Father, I pray that you would help us as fathers today, Lord, to walk in a way that worthily of you. Help us to honor your name and glorify your name and point people to Christ as we train our children in the Lord and we battle this spiritual battle. Help us to do that, Lord. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.